Get ready for success. Leadership Strategies for Women is a show dedicated to providing practical and valuable strategies for emerging women leaders of today. It's your time to get inspired, motivated, and challenged to achieve your vision for success. And now, here's leadership speaker and coach, Ellie Nieves. Hello, this is Leadership Strategies for Women, and I'm your host, Ellie Nieves. I'm the founder and president of Leadership Strategies for Women, where I develop seminars, webinars, and coaching programs to help high-achieving women show up, speak up, and step up in their careers. To learn more, please visit my website at leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com, or you can follow the Leadership Strategies for Women page on Facebook. Our guest today is Lauren Underwood. Lauren is a registered nurse with experience in federal policy, advocacy, nursing education, and clinical research. She is the Senior Director of Strategy and Regulatory Affairs at the Next Level Health, a Medicaid-managed care plan in Illinois. She also maintains an adjunct faculty appointment at Georgetown University School of Nursing and Health Studies. Lauren was an appointee in the Obama administration, working as a senior advisor at the Department of Health and Human Services. She served in the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Preparedness and Response, the office that leads the nation in preventing, preparing for, and responding to the adverse health effects of public health emergencies and disasters. Prior to this appointment, Lauren worked as a policy coordinator in the immediate office of the secretary at HHS, where she managed the clearance and review of regulations, secretarial correspondence, and other policy documents relating to health reform issues, including private insurance reform, healthcare quality, and Medicare. Lauren completed a Bachelor of Science in Nursing at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, and earned a joint Master's of Science in Nursing and Master's of Public Health from John Hopkins University. Lauren is a potential candidate for Congress in Illinois' 14th Congressional District. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ellie. I'm delighted to be here with you today. So, Lauren, you have a very impressive background. I would love to learn a little bit more about you other than your professional accomplishments. Tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Um, so I grew up in a community in northern Illinois called Naperville. And Naperville is sort of a picturesque suburb and uh, had, a, had a wonderful upbringing that emphasized service and community and really grew up um, – with a with a health condition, actually, I had a um, a heart condition that was diagnosed in third grade, and that sort of set me on a path of looking at health and well being as an avenue to uh, contribute to my community and make a lasting impression on the world. And so, I've had a pretty exciting career in both nursing and policy. And as you mentioned, I'm exploring a run for Congress. And so, really excited to be here today to talk about some leadership avenues and ideas ideas for women to get more involved in their communities. So that's really exciting, and it's uh, a very similar path to what I've heard from other women in public service. It's typically uh, they get involved because of an issue that has impacted them directly or their community, and they become outspoken advocates, and then that leads to a career in public uh, service. 
Absolutely. And so, you know, the issues that have continued to drive me are, are issues that are related to access to care, right? And so I've had the opportunity to help improve the health care for really all Americans through my work to implement the Affordable Care Act and health reform at the federal level. And then when I joined the administration, uh, the Obama administration, I worked uh, at the Department of Health and Human Services to help communities prepare for, respond to, and recover from public health emergencies like Ebola and Zika. And I spent a lot of time in 2016 in Flint, Michigan, helping that community in response to the water crisis, right? And so the opportunity to go into communities at a time when there's a lot of vulnerabilities and help them rebuild and emerge more resilient and more connected to one another is something that really drives my work. Wonderful. So what are three challenges that you faced as you were striving to attain some of your personal career goals? Sure. So um, as we've discussed, right, I don't have sort of a typical nursing background, haven't had a typical nursing career. And so as a result, I've often felt as if I was charting a new path, my own path within nursing and policy. And so as you can imagine, there have been a number of challenges. Uh, The first thing that we can sort of start at the beginning, when I was learning to navigate sort of this opaque bureaucracy, trying to obtain my first federal job. And so for any listeners who are interested in working for the government and serving in any sort of governmental capacity, I want to emphasize the importance of networking. Uh, I was able to get my first job uh, because of relationships I had built during an internship in Senator Obama's office when he was in the United States Senate. And that type of networking helped me as a 23-year-old new graduate really navigate a process where, you know, you would have to buy guidebooks and, you know, have certain types of documents written in certain certain types of way to sort of beat a computer system to get a job. And so we can't, as women, just um, fill out a form and think it's going to, you know, get us um, to our goal. Sometimes you have to grease the skids a little bit, and I think that networking and relationship building is an important uh, way to do that. Um, Obviously, guidebooks help, too, and uh, there are a variety, particularly for federal employment, that you can get um, online that are, you know, fairly affordable um, and helpful uh, to navigate that process. I would say my second challenge is uh, professional development. And so I was in a role um, in the federal government where, you know, I was 23, I had a big job, I knew I needed to grow, but I was in a position where I literally could have held that job for my entire career until retirement if I wanted to, right? They told me when I first started, it's so funny, they were like, Lauren, sit right here and you can stay in this office until you turn 55. <laughs> As if that's something to be excited about, right? And, and I think that job security is very attractive. Um, but for those of us who want to lead and grow and contribute, um, that type of professional development and investment is something that I needed to do for myself. So I couldn't count on my workplace to send me to training programs necessarily. Couldn't count on my workplace to necessarily want to invest in conferences or in helping me build out new skills, right? And so I had to take matters into my own hands. And I found a range of different fellowship and training programs outside of work that uh, gave me the skills and tools and really uh, mentorship to help me grow as a leader, as a public servant, and as a manager, right? And so these types of programs exist. They're not just for women, um, but they exist, and they can help you grow your network and really socialize my thinking to help me accept 
new leadership challenges and sort of calls to service. Um, and so I would say that it's really important for um, all of us to remember that the ultimate responsibility for our professional growth and development lies within ourselves, right? We can't always rely on either employers or external organizations to recognize the potential in us and make that investment. The fourth challenge I found all of those challenges and just really converted them into opportunities for yourself. Absolutely, because once again, right, stagnation is not an option for me. Um, I want to continue to make progress and continue to grow and help others. And uh, there are a variety of resources, whether online resources, you know, web-based training programs, fellowship programs, um, or just, you know, peer-led groups where you work together to solve challenges and push each other to grow. Those were so important to me. I would say my third challenge was um, career fulfillment, and so I found myself in a position in my mid-20s where I sort of felt like, hmm, I need something more, I need something else, and I learned that my day job didn't have to be the only avenue, right? And so uh, finding a side hustle, as I call it, right, and, and starting to teach was a way for me to um, be stimulated and challenged um, while still being able to contribute in my, you know, main job. Um, and so, you know, not only um, exploring opportunities for full-time work that are stimulating and challenging and interesting, but then in, you know, free time, what free time we do have, also finding avenues to explore other interests. That's great. And what are some of those other interests that you have, extracurricular activities? Oh, I, I run a garden blog. <laughs> it's called <Seasons laughs> Sprouts. Um, I love to garden, especially uh, vegetables. So right now we are in the height of tomato season. We Every day there's a new crop of the most delicious uh, tomatoes you've ever tasted. So I love, I love that. Um, I, I um, enjoy, um, obviously, professional, I'm sorry, um, uh, advocacy and service in our community. And so um, this run for Congress is something that's certainly taking up a lot of my time right now. So how did that uh, become an option for you? Uh, I would say that it started with seeing um, uh, members in real life. I um, interned on Capitol Hill in college. Uh, the summer of 2006, I interned for Senator Obama. The Congressional Black Caucus um, is one of the many caucuses on the Hill where members get together um, around issues of shared interest and importance. So there's certainly racial um, heritage-based caucuses, the Hispanic Caucus, the Asian Pacific Islander Caucus, and the Black Caucus. But then there's also ones for professional interests, right? There's a Congressional Nursing Caucus or a caucus for folks who are interested in diabetes care, right? So there's different caucuses around different interests. And so the Congressional Black Caucus runs a program every year to bring um, maybe 50 interns to D.C. over different semesters, summer, fall, winter, and pays them, provides housing to create the opportunity for students to learn about our government and um, participate. And if there's an interest, right, be able to get the skills that they need to obtain future employment on Capitol Hill. And so I completed that program in college, and it was a wonderful experience for me to see what representative democracy truly means, right, to see that um, people truly are reflections of their communities. And so 
some members are extremely wealthy, right? But some are real people who come from real families who have, you know, everyday challenges that are either challenges like balancing your checkbook or you have a family member who's sick or you want your child to do well in school, right? And so to see those members and hear on a personal level some of their motivating factors made running for office something that seemed more of a reality to me. It didn't, it no longer was something that was reserved maybe for a certain class of individual or people with privileged backgrounds or, you know, anything like that. It it made it um, more real and uh, showed me that, you know, obviously with proper preparation um, and a real connection in my community, that is something that I could do as well. And what role does faith play in your professional life? Let me tell you, Ellie, faith has been huge. Um, when I had the opportunity to join the administration, I was really thinking long and hard about whether that was something that I wanted to do. Sure, I had been connected to the sort of Obama world at that time for a number of years, right, over five years, um, maybe closer to seven, and um, I had – uh, several interviews. I had about six or seven interviews over a five-day span. Um, I was interviewing at a time when um, Ebola was first coming to the United States, and so we were in the middle of a true crisis, right? And some of my interviews were great, and some of them were not. Um, not great. And that's sort of a reality, as all of us know, as we um, explore new career positions. And so um, late at night, one night, when I had received the offer, I was really struggling with whether to accept it. And um, I came across a Bible verse <laughs> on my Facebook page. I am not kidding. You came across Joshua 1.9, and it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that verse has continued to motivate me. It helped me through that decision. I ultimately obviously accepted the, the offer, and it continues to motivate me to be strong and courageous as I um, explore this opportunity in public service, but then also just in my everyday life, right? Um, I have truly meditated on this passage many times as I've con- uh, considered the run for Congress. Very encouraging. And what are some of your personal goals and aspirations in addition to running for Congress? Sure. I think uh, that service, just in general, is something that's so important. And I know that many women likely listening today are wondering, how can I get engaged, right? How can I help? What can I do? Um, And so, you know, there's so many issues facing our communities, whether it's schools and getting involved with the school board, or whether it's environmental issues and you want to be on your water commission, right? There's so many different opportunities at the local level. And there are many resources that aren't partisan that give women the tools and um, the skills and the connections and just familiarize, uh, help familiarize women with the environment. Um, And I just wanted to share some of those resources today. Um, I participated in all these programs so I could vouch for them. Uh, And the first is She Should Run. And She Should Run is a a nonprofit organization that uh, seeks to find uh, 250,000 women who want to run for office across the country. And that's 
nonpartisan, and so they have an incubator, they have online programs, they have mentorship opportunities to help women understand what it takes and to build those skills. The next one I want to mention is Running Start. So Running Start is bipartisan in a way that She Should Run is nonpartisan, right? So they do um, link in some of the party ideas, but they, they mention both. And they, again, support women who want to run for office and uh, have a variety of programs. Running Start also focuses on younger women. So if there's any listeners who maybe are under 25, Running Start would be a great place to go to get some information. The next one is Vote, Run, Lead. And Vote, Run, Lead really has built up a really robust online set of resources. You can just log online and you can watch a variety of different training programs, maybe 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, on any range of issues from how to knock on doors and have a conversation with neighbors that you don't know to how to talk about different policy issues, right? And so that is a tremendous resource for those of us who work full-time, have families, right, but who still feel this call to service or want to get engaged in the community. Uh, The final one is the Women's Campaign School at Yale. I consider the program at Yale, sort of that holy grail, that ultimate um, investment in yourself. You apply, they accept about 80 women each year, and you go to Yale's law school and spend a week over the summer getting trained by the nation's top experts in campaign operations, and the program's really for women who want to either run for office or serve as campaign managers. The program at Yale has a cost, whereas She Should Run, Running Start, and Vote Run Lead are generally offered for free. Um, But like I said, we can't always wait for others to invest in us. Sometimes we need to invest in ourselves to get the preparation that we need. And so these nonpartisan or bipartisan avenues um, are ones that I would certainly recommend that women uh, consider to um, explore getting your name on a ballot and learning how to successfully run a campaign. Great. So what's next for you? So uh, elections are coming up across the country, and so 2018 is going to be a major year. Um, And remember, uh, when we talk about running for office or we talk about getting involved in the community, it's not just at the federal level, right? There's opportunities locally on your state level, um, and there's opportunities to really contribute to the conversation and to the dialogue to make an impact. And so I am certainly thinking about stepping forward um, in a run for Congress to fight for women, um, access to reproductive health care, right, to talk about our overall access to health care. We need strong jobs, et cetera. And so I really want to lead by example um, and, and bring that type of a fresh young perspective to Washington, right? I'm 30 years old. And so to be a young woman, a millennial, and with this uh, set of tremendous experiences is something that I, I feel very strongly needs to be part of the conversation. Um, and so I am, you know, taking the steps to really give this some strong consideration. Fantastic. And how can our listeners follow you? So uh, I would ask uh, our listeners to definitely find me on social media. I'm on all the sites, on Facebook, uh, at Lauren Underwood. Um, I'm on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, you can also find me online uh, through a campaign website. And so I would welcome everyone to join us on this journey um, and and I, I'm really grateful to you, Ellie, for the opportunity to, to speak with you today. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for sharing uh, your insights, your experience, and just for allowing our listeners to learn more 
about you and from you. Uh, clearly, we wish you a lot of luck and success, and you're definitely one of those dynamic women that we're going to keep our eye open for. So good luck, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, God bless.